Before Jesus' crucifixion in the city of Jerusalem, his burial that followed, and his resurrection, his commissioning of his apostles to go out and proclaim the good news that he is God's anointed one, that he is the king who now reigns, and that we can be saved if we give our loyalty to him, Jesus warned that there would be people who'd come along as false messiahs. There would be false teachers and false prophets that would actually try to lead people away from him and the message he proclaimed. And throughout the ministries of Jesus' apostles, this would be something that they would need to address over and over again, and even from fairly early on. In 2 Thessalonians, a letter that the Apostle Paul was inspired to write in the late AD 40s to early AD 50s, Paul already had to address some misconception and deceptions even that were going on there around the coming of the Lord and explain some things more thoroughly for the Christians there in Thessalonica. Yet the need for that sort of teaching didn't decrease as time went on. If anything, it only became more urgent. Like, consider what the Apostle Paul wrote to his protege Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, a passage from a letter that was likely written in the mid-80s, 60s, where Paul says in verse 1 of 1 Timothy chapter 4, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving, for it's made holy by the word of God and prayer. When the Apostle Paul would write again not long afterwards, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, in the first verse, Paul now writing what would be one of the last things the Spirit ever inspired him to write. A final communication with his protege before he would ultimately die as a martyr for his Christian faith there in the mid to late 80s, 60s. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4.1, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching, for the time is coming when people will not endure a sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. The Apostle Paul wasn't the only one of Jesus' apostles to give warnings like that either. The Apostle Peter would say something similar in the New Testament letter of 2 Peter in chapter 2, a letter likely written just months or years before Peter would ultimately die as a martyr as well where he says in 2 Peter 2 and verse 1, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed they will exploit you with false words, their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. 
For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as the righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they're ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction. Suffering wrong is the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children, forsaking the right way. They've gone astray. They've followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he's enslaved. For if after they've escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they're again entangled in them and overcome. The last states become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mud. Strong words from the Apostle Peter there, huh? Being clear about what motivates those that would teach falsely as he warned Christians to be on the lookout for them. Sharing that that dynamic really isn't anything new. That it's something that God's people have struggled with all throughout their history, reaching back to stories that go all the way to the Law of Moses, the first five books of the Bible, and showing how there is this constant struggle with those who want to do wrong, with those who just want to embrace what they think is right, what feels good, what they think they should be free to do, not even realize that they're making themselves slaves, that they're condemning others who aren't escaping their error. So Peter would give that warning, Paul would give those warnings, and maybe as I read those passages, you thought, huh, sounds a lot like today. People that are concerned with only doing what they think feels right. People that are obsessed with finding someone that will tell them what they want to hear. Yeah, that does sound a lot like today. But not only does it sound a lot like today, giving us a warning that we too live in the last days, that yet something else Jesus predicted came about just like he said it would. Appreciate that those 
false prophets are not only present with us now, but they've been present with us for going on 2,000 years now. Because likely sometime not long after the apostle Peter wrote, Jesus' brother Jude wrote. And the next to last book of your Bible, Jude had intended for it to be about something else. But this issue of false teachers became more pressing. In Jude, verse 3, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Jude then goes on to say some things very similar to what the Apostle Peter wrote. And that's not a coincidence, because in Jude verse 17, he says, But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. By New Testament times, by the time of Jude, those false prophets that Jesus had warned about, that his apostles had predicted, had already come. They were already active and leading people astray. So as we seek to follow Jesus today, we need to hear the warnings of those apostles. Not every building that calls itself a church is a place where the truth that Jesus and his apostles proclaimed is taught. Not every person who stands up and calls themselves a preacher, who selectively uses a Bible passage here or there, is actually teaching what the apostles, by God's Holy Spirit, delivered to us. Some of them are twisting, and some of them are misleading. Some of them are finding ways to redefine, to tell us things that Jesus and his apostles called sin actually are not. Some of them are promoting self-centered approaches that are causing divisions and conflict, even among God's own people. We can't listen to those voices. Just as Paul and Peter warned they were coming, just as Jude warned the Christians in his day that they were here and we need to be on the lookout, we too must watch out. We must cling to what we're taught. We need to be steadfast in heart. We need to be praying in the Spirit. We need to be doing our best to share the simple truth as Jesus and the apostles gave it with everyone knowing it's different from what's out in the world. Because the false prophets aren't just coming. They're here. And they've been here for a long time. But Jesus can save us if we'll just hold fast to him and follow where he leads alone.